Well, good morning. Welcome to Life Point. We are so glad that you are here. Uh, just enjoyed the, the morning of worship through song, taking communion together. And as Mitch said, we're going to be able to witness people taking that next step of baptism here in just a little bit. So it is great. We're going to continue in the series called Summer Playlist. Uh, that's where we've been looking at the Old Testament book of Psalms, which literally means song. So each week, we've been looking at a different song. And so we're going to do that today. I'm going to jump right in. We're going to be looking at Psalm 40. So I'm going to ask that the ushers come down uh, with Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to get one in your hand. It is a gift from the church to you. Or if you just need to borrow it, you can take one and then leave it in the back on your way out. But if basically open that up halfway, you're going to be pretty close to Psalm 40. Uh, as those are being passed out, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever been stuck? I'm getting ready to go on vacation following this service, actually, and my head's still in the game. I am not on vacation yet, um, but pretty soon we'll be going, and we may go to an amusement park, spend one day at an amusement park, and that's going to bring back memories for me of when I got stuck. It was on one of those rides. It's actually called the pirate ship or the buccaneer or high seas. It, it, it's got lots of different names. Maybe you've been on it, but it's a ship that you, there are rows of seats. You get in that ship and it just rocks back and forth. You been on that ride? Yeah. And eventually it gets to the top and it goes around in a circle until you vomit, right? <laughs> well, I got on this ride and right when it was going to get to go over and go around, it stopped and the ride turned off while we were hanging upside down. And I remember I was laughing hysterically at first. I'm looking at my brother-in-law. Both of our heads look like they're going to explode. Our eyes are popping out. And I still hear all the change just falling out of people's pockets. And eventually, it probably was, I don't remember the time, it felt like 15 minutes. It was probably a couple of minutes before you heard the ride start up again. And it turns back around. Nobody wanted to go around again. So the ride stopped. It just came right down. They put the brakes on. And people got out, starting from that first row. You watch them come by, and they press the bar. People were getting out. Press the bar, get out. Press the bar. They got to my row. Press the bar, goes in further. Press the bar, goes in further. Would not release. Press it and follow. I'm like, I'm stuck. <laughs> so when I go to the amusement park, I'm going to have haunting memories of when I was stuck. But when I ask you, have you been in a place, or maybe you're in the place where you're stuck, I'm not talking about those times. You know, not talking about getting stuck in the ice, getting stuck at the beach and the dunes. But have you ever been stuck in life where you wondered, how am I going to get out of this? When will I get out of this? Do you think I, I, I will get out of it? And maybe for you, it's been relationally that somewhere the relationship went sideways, you've been hurt, and somebody has betrayed you, and you're in that spot. You understand when I say stuck, you understand that. Maybe it's physically that through an accident or an illness or your body betraying you, you're, you're in this spot that's weighing heavy on you. It could be finances. 
that maybe through choices of your own or not choices through your own, you're just trying to get traction and you wonder, will I ever be able to step out of that? Or maybe it's choices you've made, sinful choices that you end up making it and then back around, you find yourself in that very same spot over and over again. No matter how we get there, no matter how you get there and what's making you stuck, it leaves you thinking, I don't know how to dig out of this thing. I'm not sure that somebody can actually help me. I'm wondering if things can actually get better. If that's you this morning, some of those things you're hearing, you're like, that's me. I want to give you hope because Psalm 40 says, yes, they can. And so we're going to look at Psalm 40. It's written by David. Every one of us knows David. You don't even have to grow up in the church. You know little shepherd boy David. You know David and Goliath. You know King David. You know David and Bathsheba. Everybody knows David, and he was in a tough spot. As we come here on Psalm 40, Psalm 40 is a lament, a psalm of lament. We've been through different types of psalms. There's psalms of thanksgiving, psalms of wisdom. Donnie was here. He did an imprecatory psalm, which is a psalm that invokes judgment. This one here is a lament, and what a lament psalm is, there's structure to it. But usually there is a crisis, there is a desperate situation that's going on. And that's what we find here. Just write down verse 12. You you see that there is a desperate situation. But what's really neat about this is that David, while he's standing in this position, he's remembering a time where he was stuck before. And so he's sharing how he got through that, what the experience was like. So imagine yourself if David was here saying, hey, let me tell you what that was like and how I got through it because that's what I'm going to remember with what's currently going on with me. So Psalm 40, starting in verse 1, I waited patiently for the Lord to help me and he turned to me and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit of despair Out of the mud and the mire, he set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I walked along. He he has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what he has done and be amazed. They will put their trust in the Lord. David here once found himself in a very difficult spot. The Jewish culture is big on imagery. So here we see pit and mud and mire. We don't, we're not supposed to take those literally, but figuratively, they express that David's life was in danger. He had a very difficult situation going on and that it wasn't a happy or a jolly time for him. But he conveys that God got him through that, right? And that's why I want us to spend some time looking at how did David move from that spot where he felt stuck to being able, he says, walking. How did he move from that spot of instability to a steady, stable ground? How did he move from that place of despair to a place of hope and deliverance? I want to know those things because you and I sit in in situations 
And perhaps we can start to do and model some of those same things. So what is it? What do you do? Look at the first thing. I waited patiently for the Lord to help me. So here's the first thing that I think we need to do. Wait patiently. You're like, that's all you got? Right? Move on. (laughs) No, wait patiently. We want to hear something different because we do not like to wait. It, it goes against everything that makes sense that when we're in this position that we are to wait, wait patiently. We don't like to wait. I found some stats on how much we don't like to wait. So let me just replay a few of them here. We will wait 13 seconds before honking at a car in front of us with a green light. First service was like, that's pretty good. I wait six seconds. <laughs> um, 13 minutes for a table at a restaurant. What I know, I, that's true for me, but I'll, I'll drive around for 45 minutes looking for a restaurant. If only I had sat there for 13 minutes, I would have had a table. There's one here I can't relate to, but 20 minutes uh, for a blind date to show up before you leave. And then this last one, 20 minutes for the last person to show up at a Thanksgiving meal before you dig in. It's like family members. You're like, I'll give you 20 minutes and then I'm, <laughs> I'm going. We can only wait so long before we take action. And that explains a lot for some of us because we get to that point and all of a sudden we make decisions. We actually make some bad decisions or a series of bad decisions and we make matters even worse because we go, I'm not waiting. I will take care of this. But David said, no, wait patient. I waited patiently on God. But let's not be fooled. He's not saying he sat there and was going, yeah, God, I'm doing nothing. You do it, no, he is moving, he's doing something while he's waiting. The rest of the verse one, we see, he, God, turned to me and he heard my cry. That doesn't mean David is crying, though he may have. We get in these situations and we cry, but I think here what it means is he's reaching out for help. And so, yes, we are to remember, wait patiently, but here's the second thing we need to do as well. Call for help. David just didn't sit there. He did something in his waiting. He was actively waiting, and it helped him endure to get through this. There were executives at the Houston airport who received lots of complaints about the wait times uh, for baggage claim. And so what they decided to do, they looked at it, and their solution was hire more baggage handlers. And so they cut the wait time down to eight minutes. They're feeling really good. But guess what? The complaints still came. And so they looked at it, and what they figured out was the average travel time from the arrival gate to baggage claim was about one minute. Somebody had the brilliant idea. Let's move the arrival gates further away from baggage claim. And guess what? The complaints stopped. Their theory was 
they get off the plane, and then by the time they get to baggage claim, their bags are there. And so Richard Larson, who's an MIT researcher who's just like studies waiting times and lines, said it, it's not about the duration of the wait that's important. It's what you're doing during that. That if you're occupied while waiting, so in this case, that you're walking to baggage claim, that feels shorter than if you were unoccupied and you were just sitting there. And so what matters is what we're doing as we're waiting that can help you endure what you're going through in your situation. And so for, for us, when we're looking at that, when we get in a stuck or a pit, you know, of life, the worst thing that we can do is isolate ourselves and do nothing because it will get worse. David was fruitful in his waiting. He was active in his waiting and it helped him endure and get through. A couple of things to notice here, and hopefully the first one is of an encouragement to you. Uh, it says, David calls and God heard. God heard him. And so, so often we get in this spot and we think, does God even hear us? This is saying he heard. There is no pit too deep that God cannot, that he's not within reach. God heard him. He was listening. He hears us. Hear that today. God hears your prayers as you call out for help. The second thing is this. David did not go to God as a last resort. It is the very first thing that he does is he calls out for help. This waiting is really difficult. It, it can feel like unoccupied time. And so we begin to ask questions like, is anything happening? Will anything happen? Does God even hear? And maybe you've asked those questions yourself. You're like, yeah, I've been there. Well, David would say, yes, there are things happening. God does hear your prayers. And he would challenge you and I in this way. He'd say, actively wait, wait patiently, call out for help, but then do this third thing. And that is trust that God is working. That's what's happening here. You are trusting in the, in the middle of this. And I like what David says, the joys of those who trust God. David, in his waiting, he trusted God. His confidence grew not in himself, not like an arrogant person who has everything under control and has got more control than God. No, David trusted in God. He had confidence in God. Confidence for a couple of things. First of which is this, that God is working in us. That David was going through something, but he knew that God was working in him. Our circumstances may not change, but in the process, what can happen is God begins to work in our hearts, in our minds, in our souls. He's doing a work. I like how James says it. Consider it a sheer gift, friends, when test and challenge come at you from all sides. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. 
So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so that you become mature and well-developed and not deficient in any way. You see, God may be doing something in you that he can do no other way. But here's the problem that I have in that. Maybe you can relate. When I'm going through something like what David's going through here where he's saying a despair in a pit, what can happen is that thing for me becomes so big. It is the only thing that I see. And it gets so big that God shrinks to about this big. It becomes bigger than God. The person, the event, the experience becomes bigger and God is smaller. But what I have found in my own walk with Jesus is that as I'm going through that and I trust him in it and I'm waiting and I'm, and I'm trusting him, I grow in my love and my dependence on Jesus. That in the end, spiritually, I grow. They've been researched. Willow Creek did a big study, but they only found what others have said when you ask them. When people say, when you ask the question of somebody, when was the time, name a couple times in your life where you grew spiritually, why do you think that was? And they'll throw out two things, adversity and waiting. That's when they grew. And so you can have confidence that God is working in you. But also you can have confidence that God is working around you. David said that uh, God had plans. He, he obviously saw changes, but he said God has plans. Too numerous, he says, to even count. And he calls them wonderful. And look at what he says. He doesn't say just for, he doesn't say for me. He says for us. You and I are in that us. God has plans for us. And regardless of whether he's working in us or around us, you can have confidence that you can trust that God is working. It may not be the way that you and I expected it. It may not be moving as quickly as you would like it to. And it, he may not be dealing with it in the way that you would want him to deal with it, but God is working to move through it. And David experienced that. Look what he says in, in 2 and 3. He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I walked along. He has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. It's like, for him, he's saying, yesterday I was stuck. That if my song was titled, it would probably be titled something, When Will My Life Not Suck? right? It'd be a country song, right? I don't know if that's actually a song, but I do know that it is a book title written by a Christian, and it's a very good book uh, by New Growth Press. You might want to pick up sometime. I enjoyed it. Keep it on my bookshelf. Um, but David's saying, God has brought me to a brand new place, I know where I was before, I know where I am now, and I know how I got here, and it was God. I have a story, is what he's saying. 
And so that's the last thing that I want to share with us here is tell your story. You've got a story. Look how David finishes that section in verse 3. Many will see what he has done and be amazed. They will put their trust in the Lord. In other words, David's saying, look, as you go through this, there are people that are looking in at what you're going through and they get to see how you're handling that. They are watching you. They are observing you. They want to see how you handle it. Because how we handle these times, it can be a catalyst for others to move closer to God. That we have great influence to those people around us that get to peer into the window of our life. We, we can have influence on, on them in, in moving closer to God. Because there's no more powerful and inspiring thing to look at somebody who goes through adversity and see them hold on to this simple, trusting, waiting, active faith, having hope in God with all the realities that, that come with that in life, but seeing somebody go through that. It's powerful. And then David adds in verse 10, I have not kept the good news of your justice hidden in my heart. I have talked about your faithfulness and saving power. I have told everyone in the great assembly of your unfailing love and your faithfulness. I can't shut up, God. You have done so much for me. Everything around me has failed, people and things, but you haven't failed me. And so I've got to talk about that. If God's faithfulness has changed our lives, we should be telling people about what he's done in us. It's natural. We do it with other things. I find a good piece of technology. I tell people, hey, did you see this? Or if you experience a good doctor, what do you do? You tell somebody about that. And so it should be with our spiritual lives. Hey, look what God has done. Look what God is doing. I got a, a unique vantage point where I get to get glimpses of that from our church family. On Sunday after the service, people will come down or they email or we talk over the phone or we meet face to face. And I hear people say, here's what I'm going through, but look at what God's doing. I'm not out of it yet, but look what God's doing. Or some are on the other side and say, man, will you look at this? See those pathways. Look at what God did in my life. And I recall one of those this past Easter. We were having a baptism service just like we were going to in just a few moments. And there's a young lady named Christiana that was not planned to be baptized. But Donnie had uh, just said, hey, we've got everything for you today, and you know if it, you're called to, to take this next step. And so Christiana didn't plan on it, but she went to the back hallway. We were standing right back there in the hallway, and you have to move quickly as you talk to people about why. Why do you want to be baptized? And so I looked at her, and I said, Christiana, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and he came to earth, he died for Christiana's sins, and you believe that, that you have forgiveness through him, and he's your Savior, and you want to make him Lord of your life. You won't do it perfectly, but you want him to lead your life. 
and I, you know, I'll never remember. She quickly said, oh, yes, pastor. But she said it with eyes that I was like, there's more to this story. And I got to sit with her a couple weeks later and hear her story. I got to hear a story that she continues to share to anyone. She's 21 years old, has had so much happen in her life. To me, it's a modern-day Psalm 40. And I don't want to share the story, but I want you to hear it directly from Christiana. Check out the screens. My name is Christiana Anaken. I was born in West Africa from Ghana. It's really different from this place. So my mom was pregnant and she was going to have the baby. What my mom told me is, I'm going and come back. That's what my mom told me. So when my mom went, she never came. She died in the hospital. When they went, they didn't have doctors and everyone to take care of her. So they didn't, my family didn't want to tell me that my mom is dead or anything. They were just crying and I asked them what is going on and they told me my mom was dead. She passed away before the idea of USA came. I got a call from the pastor from church. He said, the Lord is going to raise you from different place to another and you are going to shine your family. That's what they told me. They are from Africa, so they gave me food and everything. So I didn't know them too much, so I wasn't used to them a lot. And his friend, he smoked weed and do drugs with his friends. I told them I'm not doing that. What he told me is that you are not going to stay in my house. My bag I brought from Africa, he opened the door and he threw the bag outside the door and you know how cold it is in the winter and my state id they did for me he cut them and put it in the trash and when i was coming i don't have phone so i wrote my grandmother and my siblings numbers that in case i reach out to call he took it and he tear all their numbers and he put it in the trash so i didn't even get a way to contact my grandmother to let her know where i am and stuff I was walking around in, in the neighborhood and I went to knock a lady's door and I told her, please, can she allow me to sleep in her house? And well, she was so nice for me and she said she let me sleep in the house, but she would take me to a place called shelter. So when she took me there, I was the youngest girl there and I keep crying all the time when I went there. Even they called me to come and eat. I said, I'm fine, and I keep sitting on my bed. Um, I was thinking of school because my family, nobody finished school, so I told myself, no matter how the situation is, I'm going to get down with school and finish college. That point when I was in the shoulder, I told I was I had a Bible, and I wrote on my back of my Bible. I know this situation I am in. I'm going to come out of it, 
and I talk, I spoke to God, I pray, I said, God, you know my heart, and you know I've not done anything towards this man, but Lord, I trust in you, and I know you are not going to let me down. Lord, if you are really with me, Lord, I want you to speak in my life right now. So I keep praying, crying, praying, crying, and all of the next day when I went, I went to meet my friends, and she even tapped me, hey, do you remember me? And I said, I don't remember because I thought white people, if I see white people, they all look the same. That's what I thought. They all look one, the same people. So, and there are a lot of people in high school, so I can't recognize anybody. I was going to my class and with my shoes, even nobody don't want to even come near me because my shoes was torn and my hair was mess because I didn't have the money to do it. That's the same thing I brought from Africa. So the the girl hit me, hey, and I say, and she, I say, where have you been? And she she said she came to give me a hug from nowhere, and I was so surprised she did that to me. And she gave me her number, and I said, she said this is my mom number. So I called her mom, and her mom told me when you get um, when you close from school, meet me at the parking lot, and I met her. I came to tell her my story and she started crying and she told me that I will help you. That's what she told me. They came to take me from the shelter and bring me, they went to braid my hair, they did, bought, They took me to shopping, they bought me shoes, they did everything for me. That Monday when I went to school, everybody looked at me and they were turning around. They were just looking at me, saying I dress good and I said thank you. They were, I looked different because they got my hair done and my dressing was changed from where they saw me and where, and I was really blessed by them and yeah. So upon everything I passed through, it makes me learn a lot of stuff in Christ, that we have a Christ that answer prayers. That no matter what, maybe sometimes you'll be there and you'll be thinking, oh, I'm in this situation, is the Lord going to come out, going to be with me? Yes, He is. Sometimes He has His own right time. Like when I was in the shelter, I was crying. He knows that this is the time I'm going to take you out and give you to the family. And this is the time I'm going to change you around. So I, I just encourage people from my play, my friends and everywhere that are going through that, look at me, you think this, your situation is big. We have everybody, but let me tell you, just, just have faith in Christ. But if you have faith in Christ, there's nothing he can do in your life. No matter, I, told, I said, no matter even if you're in a hole that nobody can see, he can pull you out for the world to see the good things he does. Powerful testimony. It's almost as if I could have come out here and just read Psalm 40, David's words, let her speak drop the mic, and leave. I mean, her words, I, I waited, I cried, I, I trusted that he would get me out of here. I, even if the pit was so deep, he will hear. And he just, she cannot help but share that story. And some of us came in today and you understand, like I said, you understand stuck because you've been there. 
There are others of you that are right there in the middle of it. And you're not sure how you're going to get out. You're not sure what the next step is. You're not even sure if there is a next step. And I pray from just today that God's word and David's words would ring in your being. I pray that Christiana's words, you would remember. I love how she said, it doesn't matter how deep the pit. I tell people, I love that. I tell people, he will find you. He hears. And just seeing her trust. That day at Easter was just the beginning, actually the middle of her story. She believes strongly in Christ, but she came that day just professing, he is my Lord and Savior. And it's a story she continues to tell. There are some people that are going to be coming out in just a few moments, and it's what they're doing is part of their story, because part of their story is hearing the good news of Jesus Christ and how they have forgiveness through believing in what he did on that cross. And that baptism is expressing their new life in him. And there's some of you that may believe in Christ and you've never taken that step of baptism. That would be something that I'd encourage you to do today. And there are others, you don't, you've never began a relationship with Christ, but today you know I'm his. I want him. If that's you, today, take that step of baptism. Follow Christ in baptism. Not because we want to see you do it here at LifePoint. It has nothing to do with LifePoint. It's about being part of God's kingdom. Don't leave here today without taking that step. If that's you, you can go right out that back hallway where I met Christiana, and there's somebody there that will talk to you. And we have everything you need. We have a shirt. We have shorts. We have clean underwear. And we have a towel. But I want to encourage you to take a step back there and talk to at least begin the conversation. That's our desire. As the band plays, let's celebrate as people share part of their story as Jesus Christ being their Lord and Savior.